Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. Will you guys pray with me? God, thank you so much for your glory, your presence, your goodness, God, in our lives. God, your word says in Isaiah that whenever your word goes out, it never comes back void. So God, I pray, God, that there would be a expectation, God, in this house, online, the God that we're going to not just hear the word, but God, we're going to practice it. We're going to respond today, God. Lord, um, as we came in today, we don't want to stay where we are, God. We just want to move one step closer to you and one step closer to others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So like I said, we are in a new series called intentionally now i don't know about you but does anyone like tension in their lives i didn't think so okay and so i remember gosh you know it's it's one thing to feel pain but it's a little embarrassing when you hurt yourself when you don't want to tell people how you got hurt you guys follow me and so i remember this is a couple years ago and i was lifting weights i was at the gym don't laugh okay okay so i was i was lifting some weights and there's people that when they work out or when they compete, they love competing against other people. Then there's weirdos like me that like to compete against myself in my head. And so I knew that I hit, hit some new maxes. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just up it 10 more pounds. I got this. So I'm doing some shoulder shrugs. And I shrug. And I'm like, oh, that, that didn't feel good in my neck. That, I don't think that should have happened. And I was hoping after a couple of days, a week, couple months, it would go away. It just never went away, guys. And so it's six months later, and now it's gotten to a point where it's gone past just irritating, but it's actually affecting my quality of life where, because, you know, like when you're driving, we all have blind spots. You know, normal people, they, they, they turn their necks, right? Um, well, I, I couldn't do that. And so I felt bad for the people on either side of me driving. This awkward person, I got to turn my whole body. I'm changing lanes right now. And so I got to a point, I'm like, you know, I got I to gotta do something. And so I had my wife, I probably had some of you tell me, hey, go see a chiropractor. It's like, okay, I, I should do this. And I've heard some great stories about the chiropractor. I've, he- I've heard some bad stories as well, where, uh, man, they adjusted me and I can never walk again. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know if I, I, I want to do this. And so, guys, I was so nervous where I would, I'd watch YouTube videos on, uh, on people, you know, getting their necks adjusted. I'm like, oh that was like a Steven Seagal, like, movie twist. Like, how is that? Like, can that be even healthy for you? And so I get there. I'm, I'm, I'm laying down, right? The chiropractor has my head in his hands, and he's ready to twist. And I'm like, no, gosh, this can't be good. And so, my guys, my body is so tense. He's like, hey, I can see this is your first time. You're a little tense, okay? You got to trust me. Because if I twist and you go like this, you're going to hurt. This is what he said. It's not going to be my fault. It's going to be your fault. I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go, right? I'm telling you guys, he did the twist, twist. And I was like, oh, that was heaven. When can I come back again? I mean, literally within that first day, my range of motion in my neck improved 70%. So I'm like, oh, I'm normal again. Let's go. You know, I could drive safely again. And so that's an example where maybe you don't have tension in your neck, but I'm guessing you have tension in your life somewhere. And this is how I know that you're dealing with tension. If you're breathing, you have tension in your life right now. 
See, we all have areas in our lives where it's like, man, we have a plan, how things should go, how things should be. It could be a student. It could be uh, your, your, your study life. It could be in your relationships. It could be if you're an adult and it's like, man, I have a plan for my house. I have a plan for my family, all these different areas. But then there's this thing called life and it just doesn't go the way that we think it should. And that's where the tension comes. And that's where the stretch comes in. And as the famous theologian Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And so we all have tension in our lives. Just, oh, I'm, I'm just wrestling, right? And here's the thing with tension, is that instead of, uh, instead of leaning into it, we often try to leave our tension. Or it's like, oh, this doesn't feel good. I don't know about this. Some of us, we numb it. Some of us, like me with my neck, I just, I'll ignore it. It's just going to get better. Everything's great. It's fine. It wasn't great. I, cu- I couldn't turn my neck. I was a hazard to our society. And a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times, um, our, our tension, if we don't resolve that tension, it not only affects us, but affects the people in our lives. It affects, the, it affects the people that God actually wants us to touch and reach, but they're actually leaving because we're not willing to lean into our personal tension. Here's the thing. There are some tensions in our lives that are not meant to be resolved, right? There are just tensions that are in our lives that actually help us to depend on Jesus. But there are some tensions that we have either placed ourselves in or maybe someone else has, has placed us in that God wants us to resolve today. Where in the same way where I settle for six months of neck pain, God doesn't want us to settle in our spiritual growth. God doesn't want us to settle in our freedom. The Lord doesn't want us to settle for what happened in 2020. He wants us to come into 2021, not just with excitement, but with expectation. Not just hype, but because God's word says, faith to faith, glory to glory, I'm going to trust in him. And God's going to take me to that next level. And so here is the biggest danger of tension. Tension in itself isn't a bad thing. Tension, um, when we're in it, it could could harm us. But if we use it in the right way, which we're going to talk about, we can actually lean in and God can grow us. But here's the biggest danger if you're taking notes. It is this, is that the danger of tension is that the more that we are in tension, if we're not careful, we will let go of the things we're supposed to hang on to. That when we're in tension, the biggest danger is the things that we're meant to like uh, hang on to, we let go of. Some of us might be facing some parental tension right now where you are loving. You are, in the best way to put it, you are encouraging your kids. You are discipling them. You're praying for them. But it just, it just isn't working, right, the way that you think it should. There's, there's tension and maybe you're not going to kick him out of the house, but you feel the tension where you just want to withdraw. You want to withdraw your love. It's like, it, it, just, it just hurts so much to dream and to think about those relationships. Maybe you're facing some relational tension right now. I think relational tension is probably one of the hardest tensions to have in our lives. Because when, 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 when a relationship isn't right, we feel it in the depths of our soul. Where it's like, yeah, there, sometimes there's tension where it's like, man, I want this in my life. I want that. But when there's a relational gap, when there's a relational tension, it just hurts us. Some of us, we might be facing tension with ourselves. Isn't that the worst? Wherever you go, there you are. I don't like that guy. I, I got to do something about him. And it's like, we just, oh, we feel it, right? Some of us, if we're being honest, we're just feeling tension with Jesus right now. There, there are things that God has said, 
but it hasn't manifested. There's things that God has promised you, but, but it feels so far away. There, there, there are things that God has shown you and spoken to you. Maybe you don't even see it, but people in your life have encouraged you in it, but it's just not there. And there's this tension, there's anger, and there's hurt. And it's like some of us might be even feeling guilt about it. It's like, I shouldn't be feeling this way, but I do. I don't want to feel this way. I get, I know that feeling. I know that reality. And so there's, 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 there's tension in our lives. And I'm so grateful that our God is not scared of our attention. Our God is not surprised by our attention. In fact, Scripture says that God actually, as much as we want to lean into our own attention, God leans into our attention with us if we allow him. The psalmist says that God is near to the brokenhearted. Some of us need to hear that in our attention, that the Father's heart is near you today. You are not far off from the Father. He, you are near his heartbeat. And I could, I could show you in Deuteronomy chapter 8, speaking of tension, the people of Israel, they were in bondage in Egypt, and God made a way for them, and they were meant to be in the promised land. And guys, it was only supposed to take 30, 40 days, but those 40 days took 40 years. Talk about tension. You know, I, I tell our amazing middle school and high school students, I get the privilege of overseeing that. I'm like, guys, some of them just got braces. And I'm like, you know, I was supposed to have braces only for six months. That was probably God's will for me. I know for a fact it was my dentist's will for me, but I made that into two years because I didn't resolve that tension. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And so some of the reason why we're in our tensions is maybe because you've placed yourself there. Maybe you didn't place yourself there, but you're just in it. And you're trying to explain why, but God, either way, God wants to meet you there. And Deuteronomy 8 says this, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you, testing you to prove your character, and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Continue. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors, He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word of God that comes from the mouth of the Lord. If you're taking notes, you can lean into this, okay, is that God uses the tension in our lives to teach us that we can trust him with our lives. The tension in our lives, if we just lean in, I know it's hard, I know it's scary, I know it's painful, I know it can even be debilitating, but if we allow the Lord to lean in with us, if we allow our hearts to lean into that tension, God will use us to teach us, train us to trust in him. And ultimately, isn't that what our walk with God is, right? Without trust, there's nothing. But when we have trust, it's beautiful. It's adventurous. And even in the tension, we're not just growing, but our hearts are becoming more intimate with Jesus. And so as we start this series, I want to introduce us to our first tension in our intentional series, and is this, the tension of maintaining versus maturing. See, our, our, our default, my default, is just to maintain. A lot of times the reason we grow is because we're forced to. If you, if you continue to be late in your job, you'll get fired. <laughs> you start waking up earlier, 
right? If, if, if you're feeling tension in a relationship because of behavior, you better change the behavior or you're not going to have that relationship anymore. A lot of times we don't grow until we're forced to. But I got to tell you, that's not a great way to live. Is that God doesn't just want us to maintain, but he wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. And so I want to introduce some tension in our discussion, if that's okay. It is okay. I'm, I'm just going to go for it, okay? It is this. Is that are you further along this season more than you were last season? What season are you talking about? I don't know. You decide. Last week, last month. What do you mean by growth? I don't know. Spiritually, emotionally. But just in your heart right now, just as like you're just taking in the word right now, just ask the Lord, am I, am I further along? And again, not from a sake of guilt or shame, but just being honest, Lord, because God meets us in our honesty, doesn't he? God wants to not minister to the future best you, but he wants to minister to the you right now. And just ask yourself that question, are you further along this season than you were last season? And here's the beautiful reality. We never outgrow this tension, but it's a tension that if we lean in with Jesus, we'll be growing and we'll be abiding in him. So we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter, to give some context, he is uh, coming against a heresy called Gnosticism. Gnosticism basically is this belief that if I have this secret knowledge, that I will be enlightened. And... Um, Gnosticism was real back then. Um, it's, it's nothing new today. It's just manifesting itself in different ways. So Peter is talking about the knowledge of God, but not this uh, fairy tale secret knowledge being enlightened, but this real knowledge that comes, hey, this is how I know the Father, and this is how I come to know who Jesus is. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his excellent, I'm sorry, marvelous glory and excellence. I could stop preaching right now, but I won't. But by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You may be stuck, but you have everything that you need. You might be in attention, but God has given you everything you need for godliness to teach you, to train you, for, the, for you to trust him. And I know that sounds good, but, but no, it, it's more than that. That God, through Jesus, has given you everything you need. And that's so important because when we're stuck, when we're in tension, it's like, I need this, I need that. And until I get this, I'm for no. That's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. You know, as a, as a father, um, you know, my, my daughter, Sayla, when I say she's getting older, she's five, so just, you know, <laughs> indulge me for a moment. Um, you know, when she was growing up, right, a couple years ago, I mean, this girl had no fear. She'd see a rock, she climbed that rock, right? She'd see a pool. Do I know how to swim? I don't know. Do I have floaties? I don't care. She would just jump in. It got to a point where it kind of caused a little anxiety for me, where I'm like, I got to keep an eye on this girl. She will literally just jump in. There was just a fearless spirit to her. Um, but then there would be sometimes, even recently, where we'd, we'd be at the park, and certain place structures, you know, she would easily climb. Um, she wouldn't, because like any kid or any person, they fall, they get hurt. It kind of brings some a little maybe anxiety, maybe a little bit of fear, right? So remember this one time, she's on this rock, she's climbing this structure, she's getting nervous, she's like she's crying, daddy, take me off, you know? And I don't know if this is the good, the, the good side out of me or just the bad person. I'm like, hey, let's just see how long she can go, you know? I want to do some, some character in her, you know? If I just take her down, you know, it's like, I'm not serving her, you know? Yeah, good dad, you're right, okay, check, okay. Um, and so 
And so there's one time where um, I'm with her, baby, you got this, you can do this right. And it's like, my hands are there, but I'm purposely not touching her because I want her to think that I'm going to push her, but I know she can do it. And she did it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can do it. Yes, party. And it just get this picture where it's like, God has withheld nothing from us. Where wherever we're going, no matter how much we have to climb, the Father is with us and he's encouraging us and he's championing us and he's cheering us on and he's with us. And this passage is so rich because not only do we have everything we need, but we, we receive this by coming to know him, by being called to himself by his marvelous glory and excellence. His glory, it's the Greek word doxa and doxa means weight. It means glory. It means that basically God's presence is like unlike anything other. It is like the finite trying to explain the infinite. It's like the creation trying to explain the creator. There is no one and nothing like our God. So there's a weight there, but we're also called by his excellence. That Greek word excellence, it means moral perfection. That the only person that could call us into a relationship with the one who is only worthy of all the glory, the one that is perfectly um, majestic, would only be Jesus because he is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. It's in this, just in this small passage, we see the beauty of the gospel is that we have everything we need because God has given us everything through Jesus. If you're taking notes, you can drop this down. The God has withheld nothing from you because he gave everything to you in Jesus. You have everything that you need. And I love this um, as we continue, is that because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I don't know about you, but I love a good promise. Like, I, I love it. Like, man, when I know something's coming, I get excited. I get ready to go. In fact, this last Friday, man, Laura and I, we love Friday. She gets off work. I get off work. What are we going to eat tonight? And guys, I knew this last week that we had an In-N-Out gift card. That was a promise from Jesus. And I just, I mean, I went for it. Usually I'm like, hey, you know, single, single cheeseburger, fries. You know, you got to go, go deep, but don't, don't go too deep, right? I went deep. Double, double. Animal style fries. There was a blessing that I, that I took hold of, okay? You think I'm joking. No, I, there was some joy in the Lord. And so there's nothing like a great promise. And we need promises in the tension because we need something to anchor us. God, I, I may not see it, but if you said it, I can depend on it. And a lot of times when we say that we trust in God, we're, what we really mean is we're trusting in the outcome. Where it's like, God, I know you're going to bring the right person. God, I know you're going to bring the right job. God, I know that you're going to do this thing inside of me, but, but do it this way, God. And his promises aren't dependent on our outlook or even our outcomes. It's only based on his character. So we can't put our faith, our, our promises into these man-made things. God, you know, work in this way. No, that's just going to let you down. But more importantly, it's going to rob you of trusting in the real thing. And so I think, you know, when it comes to this passage, what's so beautiful is that it's great and it's precious. But Peter doesn't specify what exactly what promises. But I think it's wise to say there are some personal promises from Jesus, but there's also some corporate promises that apply to all believers. And listen, I am, as I just mentioned, I am about 
personal promises. Like nothing feels better than that. But I think if we're not careful, we can undervalue the corporate promises of God. Where it's like we can miss out of these sturdy things that God has said in his word we need to depend on. There's so many, but let me just do three, okay? Number one is this, is that the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give you an inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. There was a promise, guys, from the Lord that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and, and that we don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. We have his spirit in us. And it is a guarantee of the inheritance, meaning that wherever I go, there the Holy Spirit is. No matter what I'm facing, he's there to comfort me. No matter what deception, no matter what trap the enemy has for me, no matter what people say about me, I have the spirit of God to lead me into all truth. I have the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's like, man, it's like no matter where we go, there he is. Second promise, the promise of Christ's return. I'm so grateful for our pastors that they don't shy away from this, that this is such a great reality. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Not only is God taking responsibility for your maturity, because obviously he wants you too to do that. But he is taking primarily responsibility for your maturity. And why? Because he's coming back, guys. He's returning. And so there is a promise where it's like, I don't know if I'm ready. You better get ready. Because here's the thing. That promise should wake us up with joy. Oh, he's coming. He's ready. I remember. I told myself this wasn't going to happen. Okay. The tears, man, I'm telling you. I love it. I love it. Glory to God. There's another promise. Every message, Chris is going to have a moment. Um, <laughs> laugh with me. And so I remember, you know, when Laura and I, right before, we, you know, we got married, I'm like, oh, it's, it's coming. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's like no, you got to lean in, bro. It's coming, right? You've got to get ready. Yeah, there was a little bit of fear, but I was like, no, no, no. It was, it was more joy than anything else. That's how we want to think about the, the second coming of Christ. There is joy in the preparation. And then lastly, guys, there's a new heaven coming. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and a new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. This isn't everything. We lean in now, but we look forward to the future. And there... Our, 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 our joy can be so much richer. Our joy can be so much uh, fuller because it's not dependent on what we see now, but we can lean in. Jesus said the kingdom of God isn't uh, here or there, but it is within you right now. Heaven is more than just a place, but it's a person that we get to be with. And, and if you're a believer, it, it, it's right now that we get to enjoy that. You might be wondering, why are we talking about How does this all connect? This is, what, this is how it connects. God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness, not to maintain, but to mature. We have these promises of God. And because of that tension, we're not waiting for God to send something when he's already said it in his word. Meaning a lot of times, why, not all the right times, but a lot of the times we get stuck because we're waiting for God to send something. 
Send me that person. Send me that job. Send me that thing. God's like, I've sent it to you in my word. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to lean into that. Speaking of marriage again, it reminded me, you know, um, I, I've known Lauren for uh, 13 years now. And um, I was thinking about just our, our, our preparation towards marriage. And I knew guys probably, I, I want to say the first week, I wanted to marry that girl. Let's be conservative, maybe a month, you know. But I mean, shoot, I knew that I knew. Could have been Jesus, could have been me, could have been everything, but I just knew, okay? Her side took a little bit longer. Um, there was, you know, had to lean into God's grace, for sure. There was some tension for me, you know, you know in that. But all I have to say is, that, man, I just knew. And so like a year and a half in, we were talking about it. We were exploring it, right? Probably earlier than that. And I remember praying into it. I remember God give me scripture about it, give me assurance. Uh, the, the people in my life, my pastors at the time, they, they encouraged me, yes, do it, go for it. But I just couldn't. I was scared. And I think sometimes, all the time, but sometimes we can use the, uh, the excuse of wisdom to not be obedient, trust God. Like, I don't know. I'm scared. And I don't know if I make enough money in marriage. I don't know. It's like, I just, you know, hey, until I get this job, until I get this, I'm just, and it, it got to a point where my pastor was like, listen, Chris, like you've prayed. God has spoken. Uh, as, your, as your leader, man, I'm encouraging you. What's stopping you? And it's felt the Lord just speak to my heart like, Chris, get engaged by faith. Just, just do it. Not Nike, the Lord, right? Just, just go for it. And I bought the ring. I had two jobs. I got a third job. Hey, we're going to do this thing. And I just remember like a week before um, we got married, um, the Lord just provided for us in such a beautiful way where I got to ask two jobs, just have one. But for me, where I was so blessed wasn't that I got an increase in pay, but literally what grew more was my faith. That like, wow, I, I didn't have to wait for this thing to be sent to me, but God has said it to me in his word already. And so when I say get engaged by faith, that was just a confirmation that God was already telling me, you've got to step, Chris. You've got to move into that. So if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Spiritual maturity is simply this, is knowing God's personal voice, but then obeying it. A lot of our growth isn't about how much we know, but what we're obeying. But not in this works or this um, earning, but it's like, man, if I were to tell you to sit in a chair, but I never sat in itself, you think, oh, he's a great teacher, but he's a horrible practitioner. It's the same thing in our faith, where it's like, man, we just don't want to know a lot of things, but we want to practice it, obey it, and let our trust and intimacy go deeper and deeper with Jesus. And so how do we move from maintaining to maturing? We, we know that God has spoken. We know that God's given us everything we need. We got to know what that is, and then we need to take a step. So that's maturing vertically, but God also wants us to mature horizontally, okay? So Peter goes on and says this, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, Moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Say it again for everyone in the house. Self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everybody. How many of you guys know that God doesn't just want us to mature uh, vertically with him, but horizontally with people? 
that it is impossible for you to separate your faith from your friendships, from your spiritual maturity, from your relationships. And here's how I know that. How do you live out self-control if you've got no one in your life to restrain you? How can you have love for everybody when it's just you, Jesus, and you posting about it on Instagram? You've got to have people that can sharpen you. you got to have people that can disagree with you and that you can't block them. You actually have to still talk to them and engage with them. Oh, you, oh, you have different food than I do? Or you eat different food? Okay, we can still be friends, right? Honestly, someone told me that they hated Chick-fil-A. I almost exed them. Like, and I don't mean like... I mean, like, real life. Like, I'm just not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you. We got to have people in our lives that can sharpen us. And part of your growth is you got to learn how to sharpen somebody else. I don't know how to, I don't know how to grow people. You do. God's given you everything you need for life and for godliness. And so we got to take those steps of faith. And so a lot of times we get stuck in our attention to maturity because it's just God and us, but not God and people. And again, I'm not advocating for like this, uh, again, like this uh, humanistic view to our face. No, I'm not saying that. We start with Jesus, but then, man, how can we be so in love with God, but have it stop with us and not have impact other people? That's the place that I'm talking about. I love this, um, this quote. It, it, it's called, um, it's, it's from a book called Emotionally Spirituality. And um, the pretext, subtext, preaches so well. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And this is by this pastor named Pete Scazzaro. And he says this. As emotionally mature Christian adults, we recognize that loving well is the essence of true spirituality. This requires that we experience connection with God, ourselves, and with other people. God invites us to practice his presence in in our daily lives. Check this out. At the same time, he invites us to practice the presence of people within an awareness of his presence in our daily relationships. These two are rarely brought together. Wow. It's like, so again, another confirmation that it's like, man, if I'm growing in Jesus, my love for people is going to grow. And I got to tell you, there are some things that we don't need to pray about. I'll give you an example. Should I pray for my neighbor that I'm offended about? You don't, need, you don't need to pray about that. God's word says to hold nothing back, right? We have to forgive people. And here's the thing. When you look at the New Testament, two-thirds of the New Testament are one another statements, meaning that if Christ has forgiven you, you should forgive other people. Be compassionate to others as God's been compassionate to you. We can't separate those things at all. You know, I think there's a lot of reasons why um, we don't have those relationships in our lives. And I love telling our students this, is that I came from a really big youth group of 200 students, yet I was surrounded by so many people, but I did life with nobody. And that was nobody's fault but me, where, oh yeah, that, that's Chris, and you know, he loves playing basketball, and oh, he, he, lo- he loves the free pizza, I mean, that's for sure, right? And uh, he got saved a couple weeks ago, but, 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 but nobody, nobody like, knew me. And so like, we love Sunday mornings, but we want to lean in to smaller groups during the week. Because we love Sunday mornings, but you can't be fully known on a Sunday morning. As we get bigger, we want to get smaller. 
And so in these relationships, we want to grow. And so I think some of the reasons why we don't have these relationships is one, man, it, it can be time consuming. Like life is so busy. And I think this, it's almost like the word margin and space has become a kind of a cuss word in our society where it's like space, margin, I got to be productive every hour of my life. And I think the race to productivity has really hurt our relationships. So I think there's time. I think too, I read a study a couple nights ago where it says that 42% of adults in America, adults, not adults, don't make new friends because they're too shy. And I thought, man, I'm part of those 42%. (laughs) It's a little scary, man. I thought making friends in high school was hard, but I think it's legit harder as an adult to kind of break into those relationships. And when I say relationships, I don't mean it's fluffy, like, oh, I got my top three and I'm good. No, I'm saying people that you can do life with, where they know you. When something's wrong, they can look at you. Oh, yeah, he's, he's at himself right now. Like, those people that you can authentically do life with in Christ-centered relationships. I think more than anything else, right, the biggest reason why we don't tap into those relationships is it requires vulnerability, it just, ooh, it's like, you know, like in your house, I don't care how clean you are. We all have that one drawer in our house. It's that messy drawer, right? It's so bad, you don't even like looking at it. It's like, ooh, that's, that's bad. Now, there might be one person in the house that has every drawer clean. I love you. I probably don't want to be your friend, but you, you are incredible. Uh, actually, you can come over to my house. You can help me clean that drawer, please. I need help with that. But I think there's that vulnerability that's just so hard. And I know this in my life because I've said, I've said this so many times, but I want to say it again, but, but from a different angle. You know, growing up, middle school, high school, I just struggle with sexual sin. And there might be some kids in the house, but what I'm talking about is like, man, the computer, my phone, I was just on things that I had no business being on. And it hurt my soul. It just, oh, you get to a point where it's just numbing. And I remember, you know, I got saved when I was in high school. And before that, you know, I I felt, I I think this is bad. I'm not sure, you know, it's just whatever. But you would think becoming a Christian would make it better. It actually made it worse. Because I felt so bad. I'm like, oh, my, this isn't God's best for my life. And it wasn't like this moralistic, like, oh, I've got to be a good person. No, like, this is not God's best for me. I know the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I feel God is like, I, I, I know my leaders, are, you know, preach about this. This isn't God's best for me, but yet I feel so stuck. Talk about tension in the soul. There was some tension there. And I remember, um, some of us have heard this story, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, where I remember I, just, I was just, I was so sick of myself and I was crying. I'm like, God, look, I'm so tired of this. And the Lord said so graciously to me, you're not tired of this, Chris. And I'm like, okay, do I cry more? Like, do I hide? Like, oh, this is hard, you know? That's rough when the Lord talks to you that way. And uh, I was like, Lord, like, what do you mean? And the Lord's like, no, no, Chris, you're tired of believing that you can't overcome this. You're tired of believing that I can't actually not just fix this in your life, but give you freedom in your life. And I just, I get emotional thinking about it because I'm like, gosh, God could have just left me there. He could have just let me stay there, but yet God is attracted to the mess because you're there, and he loves you so much that no matter what you're facing, he's in it with you. And 
this is this is for somebody in the room or online. There's this 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 lie, this tension that God loves me so much that I can just keep going on the way that I'm going. But the Lord, he loves you where you are, but he loves you so much that he wants to take you out of that mud. He wants to take you out of that tension. He wants to take you out of that space that you're in. He loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you there, but he wants to lead you to something greater. And so I just remember I just felt so stuck. And here's the thing. God spoke that to me, and I was like, hallelujah. Like, oh my, I'm free. And, and here's the thing. There's only some things that God can do, but there's only some things only you can do. Only God can part the Red Sea in your life. Only God can save you from your sins. Only God can bring freedom to your lives, but only you can walk through the Red Sea once he parts it. Only you can soothe your freedom. And here's the reality is that, yes, the Lord, only the Lord brought freedom to that area of my life, but I had to steward that. And I didn't just steward it vertically, but I had to steward it horizontally. And I had a particular person in my life named Mike Collins where he wasn't like every day, hey, bro, how you doing there, you know? You struggling? Honestly, I think that's what kind of keeps us from, like, accountability. We think it's, like, us asking us very piercing, hard questions. But a lot of times, like, hey, man, like, how's your life? Like, how's your soul right now? What's encouraging you? What's challenging you? And just having that constant stream of life on life with another person it did wonders for my growth and it wasn't because of my Collins, but all that we were doing is that we were just fulfilling scripture in fact james 5 16 says this is that when we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other we may be healed first john chapter one tells us that when we confess our sins vertically to god he's faithful and he's just and he will forgive us of all of our sins but when we confess to one another, healing takes place. Some of us are not living in the tension of forgiveness. We're living in the tension of lack of freedom. And the reason why freedom isn't being released in our lives isn't because the Lord doesn't want to release it, but we need to have people that we can help steward it in our lives. We need to have those people that can strengthen us and encourage us. And I got to tell you, it wasn't like, hey, I chose to be vulnerable once and I'm good. I have to still be vulnerable today to steward freedom in my life. I don't like it that I have people in my life that, man, they know me and they ask me hard questions. I don't like it, but then also I love it too. Because I feel so known. I feel like, oh, and then I get the privilege of asking people like those same questions. Hey, how can I pray for you? How can I stir you? But that will never come into your life until you ask for it. Community is a spiritual discipline. Spirit, there is a spiritual discipline of coming to church, but there's also a spiritual discipline of doing life with people. And so as we close this message, as we close our time together, we don't want to maintain. We want to mature in Jesus. We want to grow in our walk with God. And we, 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 we can grow because God has not withheld anything from us in his son. He's given us everything in Jesus and that we're not waiting for a sign we're not waiting for the stars to align because heaven's aligned right now and we want to align our hearts with him and with heaven and so we're aligned we're aligned vertically but we also want to be stretched horizontally so I want to give us two things as far as next steps I want us to grow in God and I want us to do life with people 
And I, I, felt kind of, I felt tension in my message. I'm like, God, I want to give them practicals. I want to like this a little bit deeper. But I just feel like from the Lord, let them figure it out. When it comes to growing in God, what does that look like? And let me give you one specific. Wherever you were in this last season, are you growing now in this season? Do you know God's personal voice in your life? Are you listening? Are you obeying? What is that next step? And if you don't know what that is, Man, come, come down. Let us pray for you. Go outside or a small group. I know that we're having small group signups, but let us pray for you out there. Like, let us just come alongside of you and say, like, let's just ask the Lord right now. You don't know your next step, but the Lord does. And so I want you to grow in this. I, I want to grow in this. Season. But I also want you to do life with people. You know, we don't do programs here. We want to do pathways. And we unapologetically see our pathway of small groups to help you do life with people. We don't promise best friends, but we do promise people that will sharpen you and encourage you if you allow it. And so I want to encourage you in this season that we're coming into 2021, don't rob your faith without having those relationships where you can, man, depend on people and where the people can depend on you. There is nothing greater than doing life with people who love Jesus, who love you, and that wants God's best for you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for your presence. God, thank you for calling us by your glory and by your moral perfection. Thank you, Jesus, that you have not withheld anything from us, even your one and only son. So God, I want to pray, God, for everybody in this room, Lord, and online that have not given their lives to Jesus. You know, friend, I have some great news for you. So he paid it all. There's no striving. There's no earning. In fact, Romans tells us that if you believe with your mouth that Christ raised from the dead and you believe in your heart that he is the Lord and Savior, God will save you. If that's you in your room, if that's you in, the, in this room, go ahead and just raise your hand right now. And I want to agree with you in prayer. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Hallelujah. If you're online, just go ahead and click that link. Hallelujah. God, thank you for those hands being raised. God, thank you for the hearts that are being touched right now. I'm believing, Lord, that none of us are going to walk out just maintaining But God, through your provision and through your son Jesus and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we will grow. We will mature vertically and also horizontally. So God, we give you the praise. We give you the honor, God, because Lord, none of this comes from you. God, none of this comes from us, but it all comes from you, Jesus. God, we love you and we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Can we give God some glory, church? Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.